I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, we will pick up where we left off last week as we continue walking through this important chapter as we think about the question that I asked you last week. Who is the one person that God has put in your life that you know needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ? Who is the one person that needs to hear your story of life transformation? Who's the one person that you know needs to plug in to the life of a church? And then as we've talked about that, the challenge has been issued to all of us to take it seriously that God wants to use you and He wants to use me to reach that person that He's laid on our hearts. As we look at Luke chapter 15 this morning, I have a question for you. How many of you have ever lost your keys? Anybody lose your keys this morning? There we go. I knew there had to be one this morning. Isn't it the most frustrating thing that when you really need to leave to go somewhere, that your keys are nowhere to be found? Where you're thinking, I don't remember where I put them. Now my wife has told me, she said, Michael, there is a little hook on the back door that if you'll just put your keys there every time you take them out of your pocket, magically, guess what? They'll be there when you need them. So do I do that? Of course not, right? I go digging for the keys. I'm looking everywhere. And nine times out of ten, they're in the pocket of the pants I last wore somewhere in the dirty clothes. And so I'm reaching in, I'm grabbing, I'm pulling them out, I'm frantically running around trying to figure out where are my keys. If you've ever lost something, you know what that feeling is like. You want to find that item. You want to find that thing that you have lost, and as we are going to see in the text this morning, Luke is going to give us a glimpse of a parable that Jesus told about a lost coin. And so I want to read Luke chapter 15, beginning in verse 8. We've only got three verses this morning. Verse 8 through verse 10, listen to this story. Or what woman... Having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost just so. I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see. You would open our ears that we would be able to hear. And that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. As we look at the text this morning, I want to remind you that as we kicked off this past Sunday, this series through Luke chapter 15, that something's going on in Jesus' ministry at this point. 
That there are crowds of people that are coming to see Jesus. Crowds of people that are coming to hear Him teach. And as they are hearing Jesus teach, the religious leaders of the day are not very happy with it. In fact, the religious leaders of the day are looking and beginning to make accusations against Jesus. Things like, hey, this guy eats with sinners and he welcomes them to the table. There must be something wrong about him. As we said that in Jesus' ministry, that was an accusation that was often brought against him. One of the things that was often said against Jesus was that he was less concerned with the religious people of the day. He was much more concerned with the people who did not yet know that he was the Savior of the world. And so in that as our backdrop, we saw last week Jesus began a series of three parables Three stories that Jesus is going to tell that will shine a light on God's heart for people that are far from Him. And as we've said, as we get ready to launch two services, I reminded you last week that eight out of ten people in our community don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So out of every ten people that you meet, eight of them are not walking with the Lord, don't know Jesus as their Savior. And, and here's even more importantly than that. Here's the interesting thing. Eight out of ten people that you have a relationship with that are not plugged into church at all are willing to come at least once if you invite them. So just think about that for a second. As we look across this community, what we see is people that are far from God who need Jesus Christ to transform their lives. And here's the thing. Many of them that you are friends with are open if you will invite them to come to church with you. They're willing to come and to at least check it out. And here's my promise to you, church, every single week we are going to preach and teach from God's Word and the Gospel of Jesus Christ is going to be lifted up and God's Word promises that it will not return void. It will do exactly what it's intended to accomplish. And so as we see in the text this morning, we're reminded of Jesus' heart for people. So last week we talked about the lost sheep. And as we talked about the lost sheep, we were reminded of just how lost we were in our sins. Just how separated we were from God. We saw the heart of a Savior who is willing to pursue us in our sin. So that He can transform our lives so that through Him we are able to be brought in a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And then we saw the celebration that takes place when one person turns from their sin and trusts Jesus Christ as their Savior. That was the story last week. Jesus this week is going to tell another story. We just read that story. It was a story about a woman who has lost a coin. In fact, as we are going to walk through the text this morning, I want you to write down this main idea, this truth. Never forget the inestimable value of the lost, the intense effort of Jesus to save the lost, and the incredible celebration when the lost is found. So look with me beginning in verse 8. 
want you to notice the value that this woman places on this lost coin. It says, what woman? Having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. Now, I don't know about you, I'm not too fired up about coins. I mean, if you lose a quarter, not that big of a deal, right? Unless it's VBS week and your kids are like, I need some more change, mom, dad. Boys got to beat the girls, girls got to beat the boys, whatever it looks like. And as you see in the text this morning, this woman has 10 silver coins, And the coins were worth about a day's wages at this point in time. And you would kind of think in that, well, if she loses one, maybe it's not that big of a deal. But you have to understand the context of what's going on in the text this morning. You've got to know what these coins actually are. You see, because at this point in time, when a woman was married in Jewish culture, the husband would give to her on their wedding day 10 coins, either silver coins or gold coins. They would have been a gift that the husband would have given to his new wife, and the wife would have taken those coins and either made some type of headdress out of them or some piece of jewelry, like a necklace out of them. And so now think about that as we look at the text this morning. Why is this coin of inestimable value? Because for this woman, this was a gift from her husband. Her husband had given this gift to her when he married her. It was a token of his love for her. I had a conversation this past week with one of our members who's not able to be with us, walking through some cancer treatments. And the wife said to me, you know, he's lost his wedding ring. She said, we have turned the house upside down trying to find this ring and we cannot find it. She said, but I'm not giving up hope. She said, I know it's somewhere. I'm going to find this ring. And Now you think about that and you're like, well, it's just a ring, right? You could replace it. But no, it's the symbolic value. That ring to them is precious in the same way that this coin was precious to this woman. It was a gift from her husband. She would have treasured that. She would have looked at it and said, now that it's lost, I've got to find it. On our wedding day, my wife gave to me a pocket knife. And it's a knife outside of on Sunday mornings. I carry in my pocket with me all the time. In fact, my granddad used to say, when I'd ask him, do you have a knife? He'd say, Bo, do I have my pants on? (laughs) So you can ask Pastor Scott or Miss Janet in the office or Miss Lauren or Pastor Aaron. If you ever have a question of whether or not I have a knife, I'll always say to them, do I have my pants on? And you know, I've got my knife in my pocket. But for me, that was a gift from my wife on our wedding day. And here's the thing, about three years into our marriage, I lost it in a move. Or at least I thought I did. Couldn't find it for the life of me. Looking, digging, trying to find it, looking for it. And for me, it, it has my name 
inscribed on it. It has our wedding date, which is incredibly easy, so you don't forget it, right? Keep it in your pocket. No, I'll remember it forever, right? But for me, it is a priceless gift, and I lost that gift, but... About two years later, I'm digging through a drawer trying to find something, and there it was. I celebrated over that. I found the gift that she had given me. But for this woman, at this point in time, she has these ten silver coins, and she loses one of the coins. As we look at the story, what we're reminded of and what Jesus is trying to harp on, what He wants His disciples and the crowds to understand as He is sharing this parable with them, and what He also wants the religious leaders of the day to understand is that every single person is created in the image of God, and God desires to have a relationship with them. Every single person in God's eyes is of incredible value. As we look around, what we see is oftentimes people far from God, but what Jesus sees when He sees that person is someone He has created and desires to have a relationship with. So when we think about how valuable this coin is, I want you to recognize that Jesus is reminding us of how valuable every single person that we come into contact with that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, how valuable that person is. That means for 8 out of 10 people that we encounter through the week, That that is a person that God has created and desires to have a relationship with. Now for some of us, we look at people and we say, I don't really like them a whole lot. Maybe you've got a coworker that you go, they need a lot of Jesus. And they really get on my nerves and I don't really care for them. Can we be reminded of how much God loves them? Can we be reminded that they are just like this coin that this woman lost? Precious in God's eyes. That God desires to transform their life through a relationship with His Son, Jesus Christ. And for you and for me, we have the opportunity to be a part of that journey in their lives. But for us, we've got to value them in the same way that God values them. So many times I feel like we lose sight of that. You see, that was the problem with the religious leaders of Jesus' day. The Pharisees and the scribes. In fact, they would look at those that were far from God and look down on them. And pray prayers like, God, thank you for not making me like them. Thank you that I'm not that bad. Thank you that I'm not that blind, that I don't see who I think you are. Thank you that I'm not like them. But what you see in Jesus is someone who looks out at the crowds of people and has compassion on them. Who looks at them and his heart breaks because they have been created by God and they have not yet experienced what true life 
looks like to have a relationship with Him. You may have come in this morning and for you, you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you wonder right now, what does God think about me? Maybe you're searching today. Maybe you've come in this morning and someone invited you to come and Maybe you're looking and you're thinking, well, I wonder what God thinks about me. Can I remind you of what Jesus describes in this story? That just like this woman looked at this coin and it had incredible value to her for you who have been created in the very image of God, God looks at you and considers you of incredible, inestimable value in his eyes. When he looks at you, he sees you and desires to have a relationship with you, desires to save you from your sin, desires to help you encounter true life. Life through his son, Jesus. So what does God think about you? He loves you. He desires to transform your life through his son. You are of inestimable value in His eyes. So in light of that, I want you to notice not only the inestimable value of what is lost, but notice the second truth, the intense effort to save the lost. Notice what this woman who has found out that she has lost this coin does. And here's how you know That it's a woman who's taking this ownership. Guys, what would our first response be? Honey, where is this item I've lost, right? I've asked that question of my wife numerous times, and she'll say, told you this before as well, she'll say, it's on the shelf right over here. I'll walk over there, and I'll look, and I'll say, it's not there. And she'll say, did you look or did you Michael look? (laughs) That descriptive qualifier of looking is not a positive thing. It's not demonstrated by this lady in the text here. In fact, notice what she does. It must be at night, and there's no electricity in the home, so she lights a lamp, and she sweeps the house, and seeks diligently until she finds it. She doesn't Michael look for the coin. Just a cursory glance to see, oh, it's not there. It says that she lights a lamp and she sweeps the house and she seeks for it. I envision her down on her hands and her knees crawling around the dirt floor looking for this coin that is of inestimable value to her. She seeks intensely to find this coin. Now think about that in relation to what Jesus is communicating to us. 
Those who are far from God, who don't have a relationship with Him. To what effort did Jesus make to save them from their sin? To save you from your sin? To save me from my sin? When you read the description of what Jesus Christ endured on our behalf to save us from our sins, what you see is the same type of mentality of this woman in the text here. That intensely Jesus came for one mission, one purpose. That He stepped foot out of the glories of heaven and He humbled Himself to the point of a servant so far that He was willing to die on the cross for our sin. That He was willing to be mistreated and spat upon and struck. That He was willing for a crown of thorns to be crushed on His head. That He was willing to be mocked and jeered at by the crowds that were watching Him be crucified. He was willing to be lied about and mistreated. Why was He willing to do that? Because He knew what He'd come to do. He knew that His mission given to Him by the Father was to come to this earth and to live a sinless and perfect life to take your sin and my sin upon Himself on the cross to pay for those sins. To satisfy the wrath of God against sin to make it possible for us to be forgiven of our sins. And He didn't stay dead. He rose again on the third day securing salvation for you and for me. Like this woman who is diligently working, sweeping, searching, Jesus Christ did the same thing for you and for me. He was willing to go to whatever lengths possible to make it possible for us to be saved from our sin. So as we think about that this morning, let me ask this question. To what lengths are you and I willing to go to help people who are far from God meet Jesus Christ as their Savior? When I asked you that question the very first week, I said, who's your one? Who is that one person that God has laid on your heart that you know He's placed in your life for one mission and one purpose, and that is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them? To invite them to come and to plug in to a church family. You know that that's what God desires to use you to do. What are you willing to do to make that happen? As we look, Jesus Christ was willing to lay it all on the line, to lay down His very life for us. May our hearts be challenged to be willing to do whatever it takes to reach people who are far from God. To reach our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, Michael, hang on just a second. If, if I do that, they may, they may laugh at me. They may make fun of me. 
They may ask me questions that I don't know the answer to. They may shut down communication with me completely. Here's the question for us, church. Is it worth it, though? As we look at what Jesus endured, as we look at the intense effort of this lady here to find this coin, church, it is worth it for us to go into our circle of influence, to go into our workplace and our schools, our neighborhoods, to go into restaurants and grocery stores in this community and see people the way Jesus sees them and to share the hope that we found in Jesus Christ with them. It's worth it. As we look, I want you to notice what happens beginning in verse 9. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. You ever lost something and found it and then threw a little party? Celebrated just a bit? Jumped up and down? Screamed? That's what we see happening for this lady who's lost this wedding coin that her husband had given to her, this coin that was worth so much to her and She works diligently to find this coin, and then she finds it. And she doesn't say, oh, well, that's nice. She throws a party. Think about this. She invites people over and says, I have found the coin that I lost. It was gone, and now I've got it back. Let's celebrate. Let's throw a party. Let's rejoice at what was found. Notice verse 10, what Jesus says. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So as we see this lady in the text here who celebrates what Jesus is reminding the religious leaders of the day who were accusing him of hanging out with sinners is that that's exactly why he came. It's exactly the mission that he came to fulfill. And when one person turns from their sins and turns to Jesus Christ and receives salvation through him, there is a party in heaven that is thrown. There is celebration that takes place. There is rejoicing that takes place. You may have come in this morning and you've never taken that step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. And maybe for you this morning, for the very first time, it has actually hit you the reality that God loves you, created you, and desires to have a relationship with you. And that Jesus Christ went to incredible lengths to come to this earth and to make it possible for you to be forgiven of your sins. And today, 
is time for you to experience a celebration in heaven. By turning from your sin, receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ, being saved because of what Jesus Christ accomplished for you. For us this morning to be able to celebrate that with you, life transformation through Jesus Christ. In just a few moments as we have an opportunity to sing I want to ask you if that's you this morning, if you know the reason that God brought you here today is to save you from your sin, to have a relationship with you made possible through His Son, Jesus. In just a few moments, I want to encourage you as we begin to sing, to step out from where you are, to make your way down front to myself or to Pastor Aaron this morning, and we'd love nothing more than to help you take that step. To pray that prayer where you confess your sin to the Lord, where you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior based on what He accomplished for you on the cross, based on His resurrection that secures salvation for you. Maybe you came with someone today. You're like, Pastor Michael... I know why I'm here now. It's for me to respond. And maybe you want to talk with the person who brought you today. And you just look at them in just a few moments and say, what he just said, I I need to do that. I need to take that step. Church family, when we walk out of these doors, we are entering the mission field that God has given us. You're going to go to work tomorrow. You're going to go to a restaurant for lunch today. You're going to go grocery shopping. You're going to see your neighbor peek their head over the fence looking at you. And the reality is, Jesus Christ desires to transform their lives. And He wants to use you to be a part of that. Who is your one? So we have an opportunity to respond here in just a little bit. Maybe you want to take some time to kneel either where you are, to kneel down here, and to lift that person before the Lord today. Knowing that God has placed that person on your heart, that you know God wants to use you to share hope with. Hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? And as our worship team makes their way back up, I want to give you an opportunity to respond this morning. If you need to take that important step, as several of our kids that were at VBS did this past week, of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. I don't know if you caught it in the song that we sang as the kids were leading us this morning. But it's as simple as ABC. That you admit that you are a sinner and that your sin separates you from a relationship with God. That B, you believe Jesus Christ, God's Son, came to this earth and gave His life on the cross for your sin. That you believe He rose from the grave on the third day, securing salvation for you. 
and see. You confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Simple steps. But it can transform your life today. If you know that that's a step that you need to take, in just a few minutes as we stand and sing, would you step out from where you are and make your way down? Grab my hand or Pastor Aaron's hand or grab the hand of the person that you came with today and just say, I need to take that step. Church family, who's your one? Who has God placed in your life that you know needs Jesus Christ to transform their life? Would you take some time as we sing to be in prayer for that person? To ask the Lord to give you boldness to share the hope you found in Jesus Christ? To ask the Lord to give you boldness to invite them to join you here at North River Church? Father, we ask this morning that you would work in each of our hearts today. This message is for all of us. It's for the person who is far from you right now that needs to take the step of trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior. It's for the person who is a follower of Jesus this morning who knows the one person that you've placed in their life that you've called them to share the hope that can be found only in Jesus Christ. Would you give them boldness today? Encourage them, challenge them to be faithful to do what you've called us to do. God, use this time as we respond to your word to transform lives. We ask that in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you sing? Would you respond to the Lord? If you need to take that step of trusting Jesus, would you come now? If you have someone on your heart that you know needs to take that step, would you pray for them during this time?